0: 84 LOU and speak with one of their experts. Time is of the essence. Protect your future with Allegiance Gold. Visit protectwithlu.com or call 844 648 4LOU. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. Welcome to the Great America Show. Great to have you with us. As has been well established over the past decade, political corruption is a congenital disease of the Marxist Dem Party. And as the Bidens have demonstrated repeatedly, it's often a family affair and frequently afflicts the most powerful. The chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee has been indicted for influence peddling and bribery. The U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York indicted Senator Bob Menendez and his wife for accepting bribes, and for corruption. The indictment says they were effectively selling Senator Menendez's power and influence as chairman of one of the most powerful committees in the Senate.
1: Here is U.S. Attorney Damian William announcing the indictment. The indictment alleges that Senator Menendez took several actions as part of this corrupt relationship. First, The indictment alleges that Senator Menendez used his power and influence, including his leadership role on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee to benefit the government of Egypt in various ways. Among other actions, Senator Menendez allegedly provided sensitive, non-public US government information to Egyptian officials and otherwise took steps to secretly aid the government of Egypt. We also allege that Senator Menendez improperly pressured a senior official at the U.S. Department of Agriculture to protect a lucrative monopoly that the government of Egypt had awarded to HANA, a lucrative monopoly that HANA then used to fund certain bribe payments. Second, the indictment alleges that Senator Menendez used his power and influence to try to disrupt a criminal investigation and prosecution undertaken by the New Jersey Attorney General's Office related to an associate and a relative of Uribe. Third, the indictment alleges that Senator Menendez used his power and influence to try to disrupt a federal prosecution of Davies in the District of New Jersey in two ways. First, by seeking to install a United States attorney who he thought could be influenced with respect to Davies. And second, by trying to influence that office to act favorably in Davies' case. And as we allege in the indictment, The senator agreed to do these things and use his power in this way because Hanna was paying bribes, because Uribe was paying bribes, and because Davies was paying bribes. Fortunately, the public officials the senator sought to influence did not bend to the pressure. That's a good thing. Now, as part of this investigation, special agents with the FBI executed search warrants on the residence and safe deposit box of Senator Menendez and Nadine Menendez in New Jersey. When they got there, they discovered approximately five hundred thousand dollars of cash stuffed into envelopes and closets. Some of the cash was stuffed in the senators' jacket pockets. And some of the cash, some of the envelopes of cash contained Davies' fingerprints or Davies DNA. That's not all. Agents also discovered a lot of gold. Gold that was provided by Davies and HANA. And the FBI, of course, found the Mercedes-Benz that Uribe had provided them.
0: Prosecutors say the senator and his wife took gold, cash, home mortgage payments, a no-show job for his wife, and a luxury car. Now, this is the second time in 10 years that Menendez has been indicted for corruption. Back in 2015, he was indicted for conspiracy and bribery, but that trial ended in a mistrial. Senator Menendez says he and his wife have been the victims of what he called, quote, forces behind the scenes, end quote. And this is all, he says, a smear campaign to create, quote, an air of impropriety where none exists, end quote. Nonetheless, the Marxist-Dem governor of New Jersey isn't waiting for due process or a jury verdict for that matter. Governor Phil Murphy is calling for Menendez to resign immediately from the U.S. Senate. If we didn't know better, we might think Murphy was just too eager by half to appoint some loyal Marxist M to take Senator Menendez's seat. The senator is up for election next year, by the way. The Justice Department has been investigating, it turns out, Menendez and his wife for almost a year and a half. Funny how these things work, isn't it? Speaking of corruption, which we do almost daily, a third IRS agent has come forward to the House investigators and is testifying that Joe Biden's Justice Department blocked Special Counsel David Weiss from charging Hunter Biden. That's right, directly contradicting Attorney General Merrick Garland's testimony, his statements to lawmakers this past week. As we know too well, Truth is a problem, a big problem for these Marxist Dems. One man in Washington telling and exposing the truth is House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer. Comer is set to hold his first impeachment inquiry hearing this coming Thursday, in which he will lay out all existing evidence against the Biden crime family. Last week, Comer subpoenaed the bank records of Joe Biden's brother James and Hunter Biden, Comer says this impeachment inquiry is unfortunate, but he was left with no choice because President Biden blocked and obstructed the Oversight Committee's investigation at every turn.
2: This is an impeachment inquiry. It's unfortunate yes. that we've had to go here, Harris. but this family, the Biden family, this administration, the Biden administration and his legal team have blocked and obstructed us at every turn. Yet we continue to to uncover more findings, more evidence of wrongdoing by the Biden family. So this is the next step in impeachment inquiry. We're not talking about having an impeachment vote. This Mm -hmm. isn't an impeachment trial. This is an impeachment inquiry where we have every tool at our disposal to be able to get a speedy trial if and when we head to court over these personal bank records and these pseudonym emails. And it allows us to have a better standing when the uh, department when the cabinet agencies refuse to turn over information so we're not having an impeachment hearing we're having an impeachment inquiry because we've right. gotten to the point to where there's so much evidence of wrongdoing by the Biden family and Joe Biden has lied so many times to the american people about his knowledge of his family's wrongdoing
0: our guest today to take up the biden impeachment inquiry and much more is journalist and former white house correspondent emerald robinson host of The Absolute Truth on Lindell TV. Emerald, great to have you back with us on the show. It's only been a few weeks, but a lot's happened in that time. Let's start with the impeachment of Joe Biden. I know it's an impeachment inquiry, but surely it will lead to impeachment. Don't you think?
3: I think that perhaps McCarthy doesn't want it to lead there, but it almost has to. Clearly, the the announcement of impeachment is sort of, in timing, a lifeline for McCarthy, who is facing major pressure from within his party to not just do this kind of clean continuing resolution and continue to fund all of the priorities that Democrats want, particularly the political persecutions, to go ahead and keep doing that. And, And McCarthy has been dragging his feet on impeachment, Right. But here's the positives and talking with members of Congress, which I've done now over the last couple of days, pretty extensively. While some of them don't necessarily have faith in the sincerity of Speaker McCarthy and you understand why, and I'm sure your audience understands why. Absolutely. um, They do feel that at the end of the day, with this inquiry going forward, it does give them more powers, particularly subpoena powers, which they need. um, And it should lead to a subpoena of hunter biden which is essential
0: and i would say first and foremost that is the first subpoena that they need to issue the the four investigating committees i think have a responsibility now to move this thing as fast and as quickly and be as hard-hitting as possible and that means putting out subpoenas uh and again foremost among them uh, hunter biden your thoughts
3: I agree because they're already they're already late in in getting this impeachment going. You and I both know that they've had evidence that that warranted impeachment inquiry and proceedings from day one in office. All this was already laid out for them. And in fact, they really didn't have to do much work on their own. They just had to kind of confirm the work that had already been done by several others, including the 501c3 group, Marco Polo, but they were not quite ready on day one. So now they're behind the curve. And if they're going to do anything uh, before they face a new Congress, they have to really hit this fast and hard. And I did have I have um, the founder of that group, Marco Polo. His name is Gary Ziegler on my show today. And he talked about how they need to be very specific with their strategy. It doesn't need to be broad subpoenas. They can subpoena very specific information to make their case because they know what's there. They just need to subpoena and get it. And, and it, they, then you find the direct line between Hunter Biden And Joe Biden, but again, all that information has actually been out there, made available to the public in text messages, uh, wire transfer documents, uh, shell company documents, emails. When Democrats, and this is the counter narrative that is being headed and led by from the White House, the narrative strategy from Democrats and their stenographers in the corporate media is that there is no evidence and they just say it as much as they can say it. (laughs) Right, yeah, and,
0: but there's absolutely. everything. It, it's it's interesting too because Ian Sam's sending out his little letter. Uh, I love the way <laughs> I love the way James Comer refers to him as uh, uh little uh, Ian uh, <laughs> Sams uh, as dismissively as he can, and, and no wonder, <laughs> given all of the harassment uh, that uh, Comer has been under from uh, the from the White House. But Ian Sams didn't. Uh, I, I, I itemize a single thing uh, when he was referring to the falsehoods of the c- committees. Uh, it's really interesting that I I really believe this is a throwback to the Obama administration. The White House now openly sending out the talking points to the left wing media, to the networks, to the uh, publications. And it's, it's right out there, raw and and bold for everyone to see. Uh, the White House thinks it's going to be able to lead uh, the, the national media. What do you think? And,
3: well, there's a good reason they feel that way, because historically, when it's been a Democrat a- administration, they've definitely been able to do that. And they've been able to, when they're in the opposition, to to lead the media as the DNC or, you know, the, the opposing campaign. Um, But I was on some of those email threads with Ian Sams, given that I used to be uh, a White House correspondent and I'm still obviously in the database and in some of those chains. And like you said, he didn't lay out any point by point refutation to the allegations that are being made. He just says there's no evidence. And then he cited the uh, Republicans like Colorado Congressman Kim Buck, who've been out who've been out there in the media suggesting they're not. For impeachment, that was kind of it. Then there's this other letter that I did not receive. I assume it's more friendly media must have received um, asking these outlets to to uh, to go after Republicans more and to practice more scrutiny of of the Republican congressmen. What I find interesting about this, Lou, and I'm still kind of working this out because, you know, this is this is kind of developing news, is that they felt the need to do that. Because I feel like usually and I I wonder if you agree, historically, they've not really had to ask for that. Right. right. With the way that the corporate media, the legacy media works hand in glove with um, mostly Democrats, but just the uniparty in general, that would be an unspoken Item, They would just know that that's what they're going to do. They wouldn't have to send a letter to get them to do that. So it makes me wonder, do, does the White House, for some reason, have reason to believe that the corporate media maybe isn't going to defend Joe Biden in this impeachment inquiry?
0: Yeah, I think you make a great point and, and raise a very important question. But my reaction to both of those those issues is this one is that this is the third term of the Obama White House, no matter what anybody wants to say, that's what it is. Uh, 70 of the first 100 people they hired, uh, all Obamaites, and uh, most of the executive power within the White House staff exists with uh, Obama veterans, uh, Susan Rice, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to the Obama administration, they had a very clever organization built around their uh, their white, their Uh, reporting uh, relationships, they would send out talking points every morning. Mm -hmm. Every morning to the friendly, friendly media. It may be that they had not thought that was necessary because they were getting so much support that they hadn't organized it that way. It looks like this might be a form of catch up in that where they have to in public go with that uh, statement, seeking support from the left-wing media. That's the best I can figure it. Uh, But we'll take take up this uh, subject and more right after these uh, quick uh, moments between now and when we return. Stay with us, we'll be right back.
3: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
0: We're back now with Emerald Robinson. Emerald talking about that uh, Ian Sam's letter and what made it seemingly necessary it it is it is a strange thing and i have to believe that the only reason that makes any sense to me at least uh, is that they didn't have in place the talking points relationships with the friendly media they apparently thought they'd have they had so much support they didn't need it uh, and now they're trying to catch up your thoughts
3: perhaps and that's definitely possible because i had noticed that during my time before I left the white house press press corps they been become somewhat lazy right just because they weren't having to try and and every once in a while particularly jinsaki who was good at her job um would get called out just, and I knew what she was like at the State Department before under the Obama administration. So I knew she just wasn't operating operating at her top capacity because she hadn't had to because they coddled her so much and they coddled the Biden administration. But I'll give you another, another possibility, Lou, is that given that it is largely controlled by Obama, though, um, the administration as a whole, perhaps they see this as a way to rid themselves of Joe Biden. There are increasing conversations within and without Washington, D.C., I'm saying without as in other power centers um, across the country, one being Silicon Valley, that they're done with Joe Biden. In fact, um, one of my sources who is advising a group of tech oligarchs who want to be done with Joe Biden is that they are trying to operate a plan that would essentially... Get rid of Joe Biden by whatever means that they could, um, whether it be convince him not to run again, to step down or if something else comes along that would make it impossible for him to be the nominee in 2024. They would like and these are very powerful people. They would like for it to be Gavin Newsom at the top of the ticket. They also don't want Kamala Harris. So the idea would be that Dianne Feinstein would step down and that Newsom would appoint Kamala Harris in that seat until which time they do, I guess, a special election. I, I'm not as familiar with California. Um, but he, then, said that he,
0: said, he said that he would. Newsom said that that's exactly what he would do. Uh, he wouldn't uh, turn it over uh, as a permanent uh, situation. It would be only uh, an interim till the election.
3: Right. And then they they would like to see these tech oligarchs. They would like to see the ambassador to Mexico in the vice presidential spot with Gavin Newsom. There's lots of money going behind this strategy. Whether they'll be successful, that's, a, that's not clear. But I think it speaks to the, the environment in which there are powerful people within the Democrat Party looking at other scenarios outside of Joe Biden and that's perhaps why maybe there's not a confidence level with the corporate media as to, you know, them actually effectively um, defending Joe Biden and attacking Republicans.
0: No, that's interesting. And it isn't, you know, it is a it's an architecture that would make perfect sense, given the oligarchs uh, experience as uh, being determined in the outcome. Uh, certainly in 2020, this is a manufactured presidency. It's an illegitimate one manufactured in large measure by those who decided that they would use Joe Biden uh, as the puppet that he is. And their masters would be many, but uh, focused, if you will, the cabal. All of the left-wing oligarchs uh, uh, obviously and the Obama the the Obama Marxists it's uh, it's an interesting idea I think that there's also a great force that's building right now for the Republicans unfortunately for them uh, this this impeachment means that they're going to have uh, significantly more power in their subpoenas and what they can demand of this administration. And there will be repercussions, whether it's through the appropriations process, it may be through any number of negotiations, whether it be over the, the budget, which is upcoming here uh, in September 30th. Uh, there are all sorts of ways to play it. The oligarchs had best be careful. Because this power that they now have over the administration as they move forward with this inquiry also will be greater power when you're dealing with uh, big tech uh, and their monopolies, their oligopoly, if you will, that is for very much for real. It's not just an expression when we talk about the oligarchs of Silicon Valley. Uh, those are, are real uh, in economic terms, uh, oligarchs. But we also are dealing with Wall Street. And there's a lot to be uncovered here. Uh, And these committees, uh, I I have to tell you, I'm impressed. Uh, James Comer, uh, the House Oversight Committee Chairman, uh, Jim Jordan, who I've known for some time, who I respect greatly, uh, not only a judiciary, but he is also heading up the Weaponization Subcommittee, uh, as well as Jason Smith uh, at Ways and Means. This is immense power that corporate America had best be careful of, because in the hands of the Republicans who have historically, as you know, been uh, pro-corporate. They yep. are now they've been run over by the left wing uh, Marxist corporates uh, who are elite uh, global elites uh, that have been just destructive of both uh, President Trump and the Republican Party. Uh, your thoughts?
3: Well, I think the test is coming, right? Uh, I, I I'll be interested to see if Republicans really exercise the power that they now have. And as they face the budget deadline on September 30th, it will be very telling because that's something we focused on today is how much power does the Republicans really have in the appropriations process and how long could they really let a government shutdown happen? See, you know, Lou, they're allergic to a government shutdown. They're allergic to actually going and cutting, you know, funding that benefits maybe the corporations or or, you know, the the, the money flowing to Ukraine. But this is their opportunity to show that they're ready and willing to do it. And technically, American people don't care if, you know, some of these government entities don't receive their funding. They might be happy. So let's see if Republicans hold the line on a continuing resolution and actually get some cuts and and reshift the the money priorities because they have the chance to do it. They might tell you that they don't, but they do.
0: Absolutely. We're talking with Emerald Robinson. We're going to continue our conversation right after this. Stay with us. back with Emerald Robinson and Emerald I want to continue the, the thought that uh, you had just before the break and that is uh, just how much power do the Republicans have and just how much of it will they be willing to use uh, I would just set as a, as a bit of a predicate uh, Kevin McCarthy doesn't want to use any power let's stipulate that uh, he will be an impediment he will not be a booster uh, he will also be run over by very harsh politics if he stands in the way of what is the right thing the, the Republicans are now embarked on the right direction toward the right thing. I don't think he can stop it. Uh, your thoughts about how much power they have, what you expect them to use?
3: Well, those are two, two very different things. Now, the powers that they have, they could pass single appropriations bills to make sure they fund like Veterans Affairs in certain sensitive areas that would not play as well with the public if they were not funded. Correct, but then when we're talking government shutdown, everyone goes into a panic. And Lou, I've covered covered so many of these looming and short government shutdowns, and everyone acts like it's the end of the world in Washington D.C. But then you 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 talk to people in real America, and they they're not affected at all, right? So really, ninety five percent of government services are still funded. It's just sort of a small portion that aren't. So with that and considering the way Americans feel, if you look at the polling about the weaponization of the Department of Justice and the FBI, this is a, this is a good of an environment as any, as Republicans had in the past to not go along and just pass a continuing resolution. And this will put the ball in Democrats' court. It's because if Democrats won't come to the table and negotiate on some of the funding, Uh, priorities that Republicans want or some of the cuts, then they can, even though the media will claim it's Republicans, Republicans will have some pretty good justifications, especially as we're watching the political persecution at both the federal and state level of a former president, right? They've never had this kind of environment to actually stand their ground and budget negotiations, and they can. And from what I understand, in talking with several congressmen and some of their policy advisors, is that they could really let a government shutdown go on for quite a while, and most Americans would not be affected. So that's what they could do. I am not, I'm more skeptical that they will do that because you only really have the House Freedom Caucus members who are committed to doing that. Right, and not the larger Republican conference overall. So I don't see that they will do that. Um, But who knows? I mean, we'll see how hard the House Freedom Caucus can push. Now, if McCarthy tries to thwart their efforts to hold the line on the budget, I do believe that there will be a motion to vacate the chair. Now, there's some mixed feelings about how that will go. I think the general consensus is that he will survive it, but it puts pressure on him and it'll force Democrats to have to come in and save McCarthy, right? They'll have to come along and kind of give him a lifeline and that will be politically bad for them. So right now, if Republicans realize it, they actually hold most of the political leverage and they're in a good sitting position going to September 30th, where they could actually change some things if they will
0: if they will, and the and the political will is always the big question isn't it, particularly with Republicans it seems uh, yeah the the re the reality that is now uh, extant is that September thirtieth is approaching. Uh, they lost the Republicans, lost badly the uh, debate over the uh, the struggle, whatever you want to call it, uh, over the the ceiling, uh, the budget ceiling, uh, the spending ceiling. And when you when you think about what they did, I beg the Republicans not to get involved in that fight because they've never, yeah. ever won it. Only one time you can argue, but it's a different circumstance. And that was with Newt Gingrich uh, when he was speaker. But that goes back too far and it's too distant at the memories of most of these uh, politicos. Uh, so why would they even get involved in that again the best strategy it seems to me is for them to say no you're going to bring spending under control these are the red lines and this is the way it will be now mr president you're under impeachment impeachment is what we're here about we're going to do the right thing you will be cooperating and uh, we really don't have time to have a negotiation on spending here these are our terms. And meanwhile, we'll get back to subpoenaing everyone in your re- your regime until we get the answers that the American people deserve about your rampant corruption and the Marxist dim's control of our entire federal government. What do you think?
3: I think you're absolutely right. And uh, maybe a few of them will be listening to, to you, Lou, and, and employ that strategy. But uh, again, I am. I mean, we'll see. I feel like I'm always giving the caveat of if they will, but they are, as you noted, in a great position. And look, they're not just going to be impeach, impeaching members of his organization. They're actually going I mean, excuse me, subpoenaing. They should be sending subpoenas to his family members as well. Um, there is a suggestion that they should send a subpoena to Jill Biden. So Joe Biden, and, and given that he, again, doesn't have as much support in his own party, he, Joe Biden's in a very vulnerable place. His White House, whoever makes the decisions, are in a little bit more vulnerable place because of him not being so super popular, and his own party doesn't have confidence in him, and the Republicans can seize on that.
0: Absolutely. And going back to to Marco Polo and uh, Gary Ziegler, uh, I understand that uh, Ziegler's view on the, the strategy uh, there. Uh, you also are breaking some news on uh, Marco Polo and Hunter Biden. Could you share that with us?
3: Yeah. Marco Polo have been sued by Hunter Biden's lawyer, Kevin Morris. Morris and if you, that name sounds familiar to you, that is who... Um, Hunter Biden turned over his uh, shares in that Chinese uh, CCP-aligned company, BHR Partners. He turned them over to Kevin Morris. And that was actually after I found out, after I had asked Jen Psaki uh, sometime into Biden's presidency whether Hunter Biden had followed through uh, on uh, that promise. Remember, the campaign promise I- for him to rid himself of that investment. Well, now Hunter Biden himself. Is suing Marco Polo. They just got that word, uh, and this is immediately the day after the impeachment proceedings are um, were announced. So clearly, that was a trigger point for Hunter Biden, who has you know sort of stayed out of their orbit and, and tried to get the other people. To deal with marco polo now he's directly engaging with them and i I talked to garrett about what this means for them and he said and this will be more discovery opportunities for them right and they really understand uh, the hunter biden material very very well but i mean look it's they're getting sued left and right and this is this is going to be a big one coming after them Um, but they're committed to continuing their project and doing the work that they believe is best for the American people and putting this information out about who the Bidens really are and what they've been doing.
0: And it's it's absolutely no coincidence that suddenly uh, Leonard Leo uh, is also under assault now. All of a sudden, stories are jenning up and uh, he's being attacked. Uh, the leader of the, if, if you will, the conservative uh, movement and the, particularly the judiciary, uh, we're going to see a lot of reflex now, aren't we?
3: Yeah, I think so. It's just like a caged animal, right? They start to lash out at everybody. So, and, and since they do have the corporate media and the legacy legacy media in their camp, and that's you know, but that's why so many Rep- Republicans are cowardly, right? Because it's hard, Lou. You know, you've had that machine up against you. Oh. Um, I have myself. It's it's a it's a huge, powerful machine that comes at you to discredit you. Um, And that's why so many Republicans are afraid of stepping out of bounds. But look, we're at a point in our democracy, you have to, you have to speak up, you have to tell the truth. And I feel like when they do attack someone in that way, when they really are speaking the truth, they're not really ultimately a casualty and may look that way for a little while, but ultimately they reemerge and they're just fine.
0: Well, truth will uh, set us all free, and uh, truth is the first friend of uh, of this uh, great democracy of ours. Uh, we better hope that uh, everyone uh, stays uh, uh, absolutely resolute I in going after the wrongdoing of this administration, this president, and all of their supporters, whether they be oligarchs or whether they be Marxist Dems who uh, somehow want to give Continued expression to the political uh, insight of one <laughs> Barack Obama, uh, yeah. for what reason I can't imagine. Thanks so much. It's great talking with you, Emerald. I hope you'll come back soon. Uh, thank you. Enjoyed our talk very much.
3: Of course, Lou. I always enjoy talking with you.
0: Emerald Robinson, great American, and her reporting is essential on these historic events. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today. Tomorrow, as the Marxist dims the public health agencies, and more are ginning up their propaganda machines and the national media to strike fear across the land, just like in the pandemic of 2020, to boost the vaccines, of course, and their makers. Vax dissident and truth-teller and patriot physician Dr. Robert Malone joins us. That's right here. Tomorrow, you don't want to miss it. Please join us for that tomorrow and for truth, justice, and the American way each and every day right here. Follow me on Twitter and Truth Social at Lou Dobbs, on Facebook and Instagram at Lou Dobbs Tonight, and be sure to check out loudobbs.com. Thanks, everybody. God bless you, and may God bless and save America.